Hello everyone, I'm Grace Ann and welcome to My Dad's Walk, a podcast diving deeper into my dad's life following Jesus Christ. I'll turn it over to you, Dad. Thank you, Grace Ann. This is Greg Bouton. And in this episode, we're going to be looking into the question, is God hiding from us? Why doesn't he just make himself plainly clear? The answer to this is going to take more than one episode. So this will be part one today. Let's get started. I've actually thought uh, many times during my walk with Christ about this question. Why doesn't God just make himself plainly clear? Why is there all the ambiguity and the questions uh, surrounding historical facts and why is he hiding from us and so whether you are you the listener whether you're maybe uh, a non-believer maybe an atheist or it belongs to another religion or you identify more as an agnostic where you're not sure but you're not resistant to the idea of God but maybe you're just kind of seeking you know and you're looking for God and or maybe uh, as a Christian, maybe you're follow Christ, but you're kind of going through a season where you feel like God is far away from you um, and that there's this separateness and you kind of are beginning maybe to doubt whether you're wrong about this whole thing. But this is kind of for you. I think uh, all of us are kind of asking that question then, why is he hiding from me? Why doesn't he make himself plainly clear? And so that's today. Like, I want to talk about this today. And also, next episode, I think I've split it into two episodes so we could take care of all of those reasons and thoughts that I have about it. I hope this will maybe clarify some things. Uh, But all I'm doing is sharing my thoughts. I'm not a theologian. I'm not writing a book or anything. So hopefully there's a few things you can glean uh, from what, uh, what is said on this podcast right here. So what is the question that we're really asking? All right. After hearing from non-believers talk about uh, God's hiddenness and what they really are kind of looking for God, I wanted to better understand what does it what does the question mean? What are we really asking God? And I think the question just kind of from what I've read and the, some of the feedback that I've gotten from non-believers kind of points to this question. I think the question could be stated that if God is a loving God, perfectly loving, then he should know exactly what I need. The evidence, the documentation, or whatever. He should know exactly what I need to convince me that he is real and to worship him. Why doesn't he do that? So I think that is more the meat of the question, you know, of why is God hiding? In other words, why doesn't God remove all doubt? Why doesn't God present me with overwhelming evidence so that I have no choice but to conclude that he's real. I think maybe that's the root of the question. Several months ago, um, in a Bible study that I take part in, we were studying the book of Luke, and there's a story in Luke that when I read it, even though I'd read it a hundred times, I understood it in a different way, and I understood it as kind of addressing this question, and I had never, in before, I'd never had this thought come to me, but I I did this time. This is in the second chapter of Luke, and it's the story when Jesus was a young boy and he was left in Jerusalem for a time by his mom and dad. So instead of reading the story, you know, word for word, I'm just going to summarize it if you would uh, like me to do that. Yes, please. Oh, yes. Summary. Okay. In the story, 
there is a Passover festival held in Jerusalem, and everybody goes there. Of course, Mary and Joseph, Jesus were there. They probably had other family and friends, and they traveled together. So when the festival was done, they traveled back home, and they thought Jesus was with them. And so I could only imagine kind of what's going on. Probably, you know, if I imagine Mary is probably walking with some of the other women, her friends, family, and they're probably chatting and talking. Did you see what the rabbi was wearing? Oh, that was so 1,600 years ago. And Mary thinks Jesus is with Joseph. But Joseph is over there. He's He's walking along with the guys, and they're talking to I see you got a couple of new horses on that cart there. Yeah, I got those two a month ago. Yeah, what kind of horse power you got on them? Uh, two. Nice. And he thinks Jesus is with Mary. So Jesus is not with either of them. Jesus is back in Jerusalem. They left him in Jerusalem. This is like a home alone moment. Like... A Jerusalem alone moment. They were already a day into the journey when they realized Jesus was not with them. So Mary and Joseph, they head back to Jerusalem as fast as they can. They look around Jerusalem for three whole days, and they finally found him in the temple. And he was talking to the teachers there, and they were all amazed at what Jesus had to say. And of course, you can imagine that his parents are probably elated, you know, having found him and probably frustrated and maybe a little irritated. And his mother says, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. And Jesus replied to them. He says, why were you searching for me? He asked, didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? You know, for a long time, I I thought that was kind of a strange reply. Like, why were you searching for me? Of course we're searching for you. But I think what he was saying, and this is what struck me this time, was he's saying, I'm here all along. I've been here all along. You should have just looked here first. You didn't need to go search everywhere. And so after reading that, I feel like he's kind of saying in the broader sense to all of us, I'm not hiding I'm not lost. I'm I'm here. I've been here the whole time. You were looking in all the wrong places. You were looking where you think I should be. But I've been here all along. I'm not hiding and I'm not lost. You're the one who's lost. And I feel like that is also kind of relates to what I read in Genesis. Like early on in Genesis, the, the story of Adam and Eve, when they sinned, It wasn't God who hid from them. It was Adam and Eve who hid from God. So the truth is, is that God is not hiding. We're hiding. We are looking in all the wrong places for God, and we're looking in the wrong way. We're just like Mary and Joseph, wandering around, looking for God in all the places we think he should be. But he's not a person like us, so we can't forecast where he's going to be based on what we think is best. And there's also things in us that keeps us from seeing him, that blocks our vision, too. So I think there's some things that we can talk about, like what is it that kind of blinds us to where God, and um, also look at where are we looking for God. So where are we looking? This is probably a question, honestly, that probably each person you kind of need to reflect on yourself a little bit. You know, uh, I can't answer that for everybody, but I can do just some general thoughts of um, that I have about this. 
So where do many people today, at least, look for God and maybe we're looking in the wrong place? Number one is I think people are looking for an intellectual argument that presents overwhelming evidence that removes all doubt. Uh, So intellectually, they're looking for God in physical evidence, scientific evidence, archaeological evidence, even philosophical evidence. And they're looking for overwhelming evidence that there's no other possible explanation that could fill in any gaps or whatever. Now, the fact is, there's plenty of evidence. All this amount of evidence is piling up more and more even as time goes on. And there's plenty of other uh, podcasts out there that can present evidence for you. But I'm speaking real generally here. And so I I don't want to get into specific evidences or anything. But there's a lot of evidence that is intellectual in nature. We, We should never have to turn off our minds when thinking about God and when we're finding God. I think God gave us science and gave us rational thought and reasoning and philosophy. And he gave us all these things so that we can find him. But what we're finding parts of him. These things do not show us the full picture of him. So we see pieces of God and aspects of God. But it is not complete. And there's always, always going to be doubt. I think God wants there to be an element of doubt in all of our arguments. I think he, um, he always wants an escape route for the person who wants to escape, you know, for the person who is resistant, doesn't want to believe. I think God allows there to be some argument, some reasoning, or some type of idea that allows an escape route for the person who wants an escape route intellectually. I don't think he wants to overwhelm us with evidence, and I don't think he wants to give us so much that would remove doubt. I think he wants there to be a possibility of doubt because it brings something that he wants to see, which is faith. And I'm going to talk about that next week, too. I think he wants us to be free to choose something else other than him, and he wants us to have a choice. I don't think he wants us to be faced with so much evidence to which there is only one conclusion. And I mean scientific evidence from the realm of astrophysics, cosmology. When we look at the beginning of this universe and the design of creation and the physical properties that make creation, they all point to a creator. So much so that no longer is design of this universe even a debate among scientists. The debate is... Who is the designer or what is the designer? That's the debate today. And faced with this overwhelming evidence of design, people can come up with all sorts of imaginative ideas, such as a multiverse, which makes great science fiction, but has no grounding, no evidence. You know, it's something that scientists can pursue and they should go ahead. We should pursue it um, because, you know, that's that's part of our reasoning. But that is an escape route for the materialist who wants to hang on to the idea that there is no God. Perhaps there is a multiverse. There always will be an idea of something that will provide that escape route. So if you're looking for God in intellectual evidence, there is plenty there, but you will not ever be 100% convinced simply by that because there will always be some other argument 
However circumstantial, however little evidence there is for it, there will always be some idea or argument that offers you an escape route away from God. So that's one place people are looking. Also, there's another place. People look for God in experiences. They want the experience of God, and if they don't feel that, then they will not be convinced there is a God. They want God to heal a sickness or an injury or themselves or a loved one. Uh, they want a miracle. You know, They want a deliverance from suffering or death or many other things. Just kind of fill in the blank right there. Or maybe they just want an ecstatic experience, you know, something supernatural and otherworldly to convince them that this must be a God. But that type of evidence, if you're looking for God in experiences, you might come up with all sorts of different ideas of who God is. That may not point you to the true God who is alive and well. But the experience of God and the intellectual evidence all together give us important pieces to knowing God. When the Sadducees asked Jesus about the resurrection, uh, they gave him a problem about divorce. Now, Sadducees did not believe in the resurrection, so they gave this problem. It was kind of like a trick question, uh, a quandary. They didn't really want to know the answer. They just wanted to catch him in this trick problem. So they gave him a problem about a married woman who is married to a man. The man dies, so then she marries his brother, which, by the way, was custom back then, and then the brother dies. So she marries the other brother, and then he dies. Anyway, she marries all these brothers. They all die in turn. So when in the resurrection, after they all die and there's a resurrection, who is she married to? And they thought that was going to catch him. They thought certainly he's not going to be able to answer this question. But he, he did answer them. He understood the question. He understood the answer, too. It was no mystery to him. But he explained their error to them. And he said this, you are in error because you do not know. Here it comes. Here's the things. They don't know. You do not know the scriptures or the power of God. So he's pointing out there's this there's an intellectual problem that you have. You don't understand the, the the teaching. You don't understand God. You don't know on an intellectual level and you don't understand on an experiential level. You don't know the power he has um, to change lives, to give peace, or simply how he works. So in short, uh, I think it's best, you know, if we're looking for God, if we're really open to him, then we have to be careful not to look in only one place. I think many people probably are looking in one place. Like, I just want to know intellectually. I want to know, I want to be fully convinced 100% with intellectual arguments and scientific evidence. Scientific evidence uh, is plenty, but it only shows part of God. God cannot be condensed into our physical universe where we can only use, you know, physics and science to, to see him. We can see part of God and we can also use the experience of his power. It also shows us who God is. He reveals himself to us through his power in our lives. We see over and over in the writings of the New Testament and the letters how God's power reveals God. Uh, in Romans 1.4, who has declared the Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness. And of course, you know, Romans 1.16, you know, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God for salvation. Even when dealing with Pharaoh, this is uh, just Romans 9.17, uh, when the scripture says to Pharaoh, for this very reason, I raised you up in order to demonstrate my power in you, that my name might be proclaimed throughout the earth. So his power is one wonderful way, a great way of God revealing himself to us. But we can't 
on the other side, we can't just simply look for his power alone because we can be easily deceived to follow any God, you know, according to our experiences. So putting together our intellect and our experience, our reaching for God, that uh, I think together gives a full picture of who he is. And if we're open to God, if we want to know who God is and we just are, we're not convinced then, um, I don't know, ask yourself if any of this resonates. Maybe it does, maybe it doesn't, but ask yourself, you know, what you're open to. But I think you need both things, um, not just, it's intellect and experience together uh, to create a more full picture. Well, that is all the time we have for today's podcast episode. Please feel free to email me at mydadswalk at gmail.com or you can go to anchor dot fm slash my dad's walk and there is a button there you can uh, actually leave me a voicemail if you have any questions or you would just like to add a comment thank you very much i do appreciate that shout out to pixabay.com for music and sound effects i'll look forward to next time bye bye